Session Convo, The Vegas Scoop, Week 6, Broadcasting Poolside. Welcome to The Vegas Scoop Podcast, episode number 2. I am OG Flowers, joined once again by the Lift Service and AJ Scoop, where today we will be breaking down the NFL Week 6 slate from a super contest perspective. So boys, how do we do Week uh, how, how did Week 5 turn out? 3-2 and two for me. Uh, 1 o'clock games treated me well, the early games. Hit all three of them. Nice, pretty lucky cover with the Bengals on a couple defensive touchdowns. And then uh, had the Rams, and uh, the Rams did me wrong, and uh, the Redskins on Monday night didn't end up too well. 3-1-1, uh, one one. happy with that. I uh, had the Giants, which was a winner. Had a loser with Baltimore in overtime, could have won either way. I tied with uh, the Texans. And I had two other winners that uh, that came in as well. I got the 16, 7, and 2 for the season, 70%. So I'm happy with that. Yep, 13 and 12 for me. So after the 2 and 8 start, hard to be mad. Just got to get a couple 5 and 0 weeks here coming up. First game up is going to be the marquee game of the week where the high-flying Chiefs travel to Foxborough to take on the Patriots where New England is 3.5-point favorite. Floor is your scoop. Go ahead. I think first off, when you look at this game, this is uh, a Kansas City defense that, you know, once again we saw last week, they just play a little bit different at home. Give up a little bit under nine points a game less at home. Um, number two and third down defense on the season. Last two weeks they faced Blake Bortles and Case Keenum. And I just think this week it's going to be a different animal with Tom Brady. Um, this New England team, you see, what, you see the way they looked in their two road games against Detroit and Jacksonville. And a big part of this was... You know, Tom Brady's best friend, Julian Edelman, wasn't on the field. Didn't have uh, Flash Gordon yet. Chris Hogan was in the number one role, and, you know, the receivers weren't getting separation. And it was just, you know, a really mundane offense that was struggling to convert on third downs. And that's just not the case anymore. The last two weeks, they're averaging 38 a game. And that's even with a lot of fluky interceptions and weird stuff going on against the Colts. Gronk's not seeing as many double teams but you could, because you just can't. With James White out of the backfield, 14 targets, in 10 targets the last two weeks. Kansas City, 32nd in the NFL defending running backs in the passing game, dead last defending the rush. This Chief defense is just in a complete exposure spot. Um, I don't see New England being in very many situations where they have to punt. I think this could be pretty similar to the Super Bowl for their offense. And uh, when you go through and you and you just see, you know, you set this over-under at two and a half punts, I think I take the under. I think New England's floor in this game is about 35, and I wouldn't be surprised if they flirted with 50 against this defense. 50? 50. I look at the game. <clears throat> I'm not going to play it on the card. I think there's no question that New England is the right spot here. Um, the reason I'm not going to put it on the card is very simple. I'm worried about a backdoor cover with the three and a half number. I think that the biggest mismatch in the game, no question, is New England's offense against Kansas City's defense. Um, I do agree with you that there's not going to be a lot of punting in the game. Um, to me, if you're on New England and Brady decides to come in with some sort of uh, vendetta against Kansas City, I do agree with you. I could see this getting out of hand, not out of hand, but just offensively just being a mismatch. Kansas City, we've seen what they've been doing. They control the Jacksonville game, no problem in that game. I do see Kansas City starting to tail off offensively with more film on them. 
Uh, Mahomes obviously is playing at a super high level. Um, Kansas City is healthy, um, but again, I, I do favor the experience of New England in this game, laying three and a half, but I am going to stay off of it. Yeah, no, I'm glad you brought up the word health because uh, I forgot to mention Justin Houston, the, the best defensive player on this Kansas City defense. It's looking like he's very unlikely to play. Yeah, he won't play. Without him on the field, I think this Kansas City run defense that's almost a full yard worse than the next closest team, it could look more like a Big 12 run defense than an NFL run defense on Sunday night. Um, I look at this game as a pick-your-poison game where you know, New England's going to be able to move the ball any way they want. If they want the drive to last four minutes, it could last four. If they want it to last eight, it can last eight. And when you do things like that, it's really powerful, especially with situational football at the end of fo- at the end of the half. So let's say New England's up four to seven points, five, six minutes to go in the first half. They touch the ball. All of a sudden, you know, if they defer on the opening kickoff, we have a situation where it could be, you know, 20 minutes of game time before, you know, 15 minutes of game time before Mahomes touches the ball again. All of a sudden, a seven-point game turns into 21, four turns into 17, and the game gets out of hand real quick. Also, you know, from a coaching perspective, this is a statement game for Belichick. Andy Reid's got the best of them last year in the opener, dropped 40 on them. One of the, I think it was the first time in history he'd ever given up 40 points at home. So when you look at that game, to go along with the game in 2014 when Kansas City beat up on New England, all the media was calling for Brady's head, saying the dynasty was over. Um, was you know, Castle game or not? Yeah, that was when Matt Castle came in there at the end. This is this – is, uh, you know, revenge game. This is a statement game. Everyone's acting like Kansas City's going to run away with the AFC. And this game right here on Sunday night, with 10 days to prepare for Belichick and the Patriots, this is for home field advantage in the AFC. Potentially. And, and when you talk about a place like Arrowhead, nobody wants to go there for a playoff game, let alone an AFC title game. So I think we're going to see peak focus, energy, execution from the Patriots. And uh, they're going to remind everybody why they are the kings of the AFC and continue to be. No, experience for sure. And, again, what you said there is, is a key point. Ten days of Belichick getting ready for a football game is an eternity. There's nobody X's and O's that can break down a game. I see Kelsey being taken out of this game. I see that New England is going to make sure that he is not going to be a factor to be getting up and down the field. Um so I think that's going to be the number one priority to take him out of the game. Uh, Hunt and those guys are going to do stuff dink and dunk. But, again, it goes back to a couple weeks ago, the Denver game, where Denver was controlling the game against Kansas City by playing zone, by not giving up big plays. And I do think defensively New England's going to incorporate a lot of that. Some man, they're going to mix it up. And I think that Mahomes in this game is going to be more confused than Brady. And I do think from that perspective, again, it goes back to what I said, the mismatch is New England's offense against Kansas City's defense. That's going to be the problem. And, again, the only reason I'm staying off of this game is because Kansas City's game is, team is offensively is so potent they could come back and backdoor cover at any time. But I do think you're on the right side. Yeah, and with Mahomes, I heard a great comp recently with I mentioned last week was how he's the Steph Curry of the NFL. And one thing with Steph Curry and Patrick Mahomes is they're both rhythm players. And what do you do with rhythm players? You keep them on the sidelines. You keep them thinking instead of being out there reacting, making plays. And if Brady and this offense decide they're going to have six, seven-minute drives and just run the clock and really just carry this thing out, um, 
there could be a chance that we really get a limited amount of possessions. This could be the fewest amount of times Mahomes touches the ball all season. You get him standing on the sidelines, um, playing from behind in a game where he's going to need to be nearly perfect. And I don't think that's really fair to ask of a rookie on the road in Sunday night against a Belichick defense. If he's got to play perfect just to keep this thing close, um, which I think is the case, New England's the play. All right, so next up, uh, we have the Miami Dolphins host the my Chicago Bears, where the Bears are posted as a three-point road favorite. This game is, uh, put it pretty frankly, a bad matchup for the Dolphins. This is a team that lost their uh, high free agent prized guy, uh, Josh Sitton, to injury early this season. Last week, uh, the center went out for the year. And then last week against Miami, uh, the left tackle, Laramie Tunsil, went out in the third quarter, and the backup was an absolute disaster. It looks like Tunsil will play. If he does, maybe he's not 100%. Maybe we get a break and he doesn't play. But nonetheless, this Miami offense, even with Tunsil, this is a bottom seven offensive line of pass protection going against a defensive line that I thought was going to be elite even before they added the defensive player of the year. With Mack on this defense, this is the most efficient defense in the league. Um, Vic Fangio is one of the most underrated defensive coordinators in the NFL. You give him two weeks to prepare. This Miami offense, it's playing at a slow pace. You know, Kenyon Drake, this is a guy that couldn't even start at Alabama, running behind an offensive line that's not that great. And Ryan Tannehill, Heavy fumbler. you know, he's he, he's okay. He went on a nice run. He, he's been a guy that's beat up on a pretty, uh, pretty iffy schedule when he's been healthy. But, you know, he reminds me a lot of Andy Dalton. And in 2015, we saw Andy Dalton behind an offensive line that was healthy with a lot of weapons. And he had a lot of success. And then here in the last two seasons, behind a shaky offensive line, we saw the impact that an offensive line has on a system quarterback that kind of struggles with the athleticism. You know, right now you're seeing Cam Newton just defy logic with it behind this, you know, depleted Carolina offensive line. But Tannehill is just not a guy that can do things like that. So without his true number one Parker in the fold, if he does play, could see a little rust, no chemistry between those two yet. You just look at this Miami offense. There's just not very many guys that scare you. Landry's not there. You got Amendola and Stills over the middle. You know the tight end's a rookie, and against this Chicago defense, that's you know kind of in a statement spot. We saw them a little flat against Arizona on their road trip. You know coming out of the bye, I don't think we're going to see this team come out with a fat head after the big win against Tampa Bay. I think we're going to see a team that's you know out to send a statement to the to the NFC North that. You know, we might just be the most complete team in the division. And then last but not least, you know, Mitch Trubisky coming off the best game of his career, rocking the arm sleeve, feeling good. And, uh, you know, a guy like Trubisky, confidence is so important. And here for the last two weeks, he's been sleeping well, feeling good. You know, the media's kind of off his back a little bit. I think this is is a chance for him to, uh, you know, be a game manager in this naggy offense that's really going to utilize Tariq Cohen. That's a weakness of Miami's is defending running backs in the passing game. So you get Cohen going a little bit. Um, you're going to have Allen Robinson getting the treatment. But there's just a lot of weapons in this Bears offense. And if Trubisky just, you know, makes the simple throws with the scripted plays, you know, get out to a nice start, let that defense do what they do, you know, wouldn't be surprised if the Bears pitch a shutout here. I think the Miami this year has, has been underrated. I think that um, they got buried in the New England game. It was a terrible spot for them. They should have won last night, or excuse me, last week against Cincinnati. They were controlling that entire game until Larry Tunsil went down. They gave up two fourth-quarter defensive touchdowns um, that were uh, that turned out to be the the difference in the game. Miami, I think, is going to get Cam Wake back for this game. 
I think he's questionable, but I think he will play. Didn't practice again yesterday, so it's probably unlikely he plays. Okay. I mean, even if he doesn't play, their defense, like I said before, has been playing solid. I'm a little different than you in regards to Chicago's offense. Uh, I think they should come out and try and make a statement. I don't think they should come out and try and play vanilla football against this Miami defense because I don't see them really going up and down the field at all against this defense. I think that Cohen is definitely the guy I would be playing more in this game. I think Jordan Howard is uh, – yeah, I, I think he's the type of back that, you know, down near the goal line like the Houston-Dallas game, he's great for those types of things. But the, for the, you know, the period of a, of a game for 60 minutes, he's a below average back at this point. Um, moving on to Miami's offense, I agree with you. They're struggling because of the offensive line. If they do get Parker back, I think he could make a difference. I'm not touching this game at all. Um, I do see it as a low-scoring game. And laying three points on the road here is something that I just do not want to do. Yeah, no, so as far as uh, I think the Bears come out hot on offense. I don't think they come out vanilla. I think they uh, they do what they've done all season, which is, you know, execute in the first quarter. Trubisky's been one of the league's best in the first quarter on the scripted plays. Oh, yeah. I just think after they get out to a 7-10-0 lead, that's when you really just don't put your offense in a position to make a mistake and give the game away. That's where that's where you just become a game manager, run Howard, dink and dunk to Cohen, short stuff to Burton. You just put your offense in a position to not give the game away and just force Miami to score points on your defense that is, you know, a lead at rushing the passer and just pin your ears back and get after Tannehill. And, you know, from an under perspective, I'm on under 42 and a half right now. If this over were to get there what scares me is you know potentially the bears go up 24 27 3 and then all of a sudden you know they're playing catch up and you know chicago could pour it on with some defensive scores you know miami quitting potentially could could lead to the over getting there but yeah i agree with you i i don't see very many points being scored here one thing i will say about chicago and young teams inexperienced teams sometimes the bye week is not always the best thing sometimes we just saw that with washington you know team has a big win they go to their bye week, they start getting a little fat and happy, and they come out a little flat. And, and there's definitely a chance that happens with Chicago here like it did with Washington. I just think that it's a little different with Chicago because, you know, this is a new team. We've well, you all, like their defense. You're we, big it, on their defense. Yeah, th- th- this Chicago defense, comparing them to Washington's laughable, you know. Mm-hmm. This is a different, different team. Tough matchup for them, yeah. though. And, 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 you know, in the NFL, good offensive lines and good defenses travel well, and, and that's what Chicago has. So, you know, Miami – you know, you look at the schedule, start 3-0, and you know, they didn't really beat anybody, they just didn't lose, and, uh, you know, then all of a sudden they played New England and Cincinnati, Cincinnati just played poorly in the first half, just, you know, had a chance to jump on them, gave away the first half, go down 17 nothing, and then eventually, you know, we saw that Cincinnati was the better team, but, you know, up to this point, the evidence that we've seen from Miami is, you know, a 38 Schlacken versus the Patriots, and we saw them beat three bad teams early in the season that didn't really play well against them. So up to this point, the evidence we have about Chicago is that their offense is decent early, pretty good, um, and as far as that defense, it's hard to score on them. Before we move on, I had uh, asked Scoop this earlier, uh, Lip, like what do you what do you feel about Adam Gase's um, and Chicago Bears' history as far as they might know his kind of scheme? and the way he likes to play, do you think that factors in here? I know it's a new regime in Chicago, but do you think they put that into play at all? Or would you po- put that into play yeah, at all? Yeah, possibly. I, you know, the experts are all over Chicago here. I'm going to tell you that right now. The, the game opened one and a half. I've seen fours. I mean, there's every everyone is, is on one side here. And um, 
to get back to your question, I, I'm not really sure. I, you know, I, I don't trust Chicago's experience. I don't trust their offense enough at this point. So I just think it's, it's a little bit questionable to lay those kinds of points on the road. And Miami has, they've played one bad game this year. They've played terrible against New England. I mean, other than that, they haven't been a walkover. I mean, they don't have household names and all these fantasy guys that are putting stuff up all over them, but they're well coached and, you know, they're prepared. So, you know, that's just my take on the game. I'm not touching it, but I just think it's, it's dangerous leading those kind of points, personally. I think Vange Fangio was there when Gates was there. That's why I kind of thought that might have some type of factor. Like he kind of knows his game. He could kind of scheme around it a little bit better. I don't know. He's a good. He's a good no, defensive coordinator it, as it is. It's a great but. point because you give Fangio a little bit of history on Gates. You combine that with a non-mobile quarterback and the beat-up offensive line against the best pass rush in football. That's a recipe for the Bears to have a lot of success. All right, cool. Uh, next up, we had the Chargers heading east to take on New Look Browns, where the Chargers are posted as a one-point chalk. Lip service, the floor is yours. <clears throat> All right, I'm taking the Chargers in this game. Now, Cleveland's defense this year has been outstanding outside of the uh, the Raiders game. I mean, they've been fantastic. I was very bullish on uh, Baltimore last week. I got some players. I thought that Joe Flacco was terrible last week. I thought he was awful in that game. Yeah, his yards per attempt that had been really, really strong in the first four weeks was all the way down to five last yeah, week. Yeah, and his wife was upset about he wasn't showing any emotion going at wide receiver. So, yeah, what a mess that was. Um, saying all that kind of stuff, Baltimore Baltimore's um, that's the truth. Baltimore's uh, defense played very well in that game. So, uh, I'm big on Baltimore. I mean, um, in Saint, you know, in the Cleveland game, but in this game here, the reason I like the Chargers a lot is for a couple of reasons. Number one, they're on pace right now to set an all-time record for two backs uh, total yardage. I mean, people don't even know who Eckler is. This guy is outstanding out of the backfield. He's a Tomlinson type. Um, they have uh, Gordon, who's you know can wear a defense down. Um, and I do like the fact that early in the season that the Chargers went into Buffalo and destroyed them. You know, in a similar spot early. Uh, 1 o'clock Eastern game going on the road. I don't trust Cleveland's offense. I just don't see them scoring with the Chargers. I see a 27-17 game. Um, They're supposedly the biggest uh, second-half scoring team in football, right? The, the Browns? Char the Browns are? Yeah. Are they? Yeah. So, I mean, they kick off slow, and then it, Baker, it, you they, know. You know, but, I mean, let's look at it this way. Offensively, Cleveland has Higgins, who's one of their best players. He's not playing this week. I mean, that's a big big loss for them. Um, Baker Mayfield is proving that he can play in this league. Healthy, I don't think he'll be able to last, but he's proving that he's a starter in this league at this point. Offensively, from the backfield, I still think it's a mess that I talked about last week. I don't know who, you know, it's Hyde for a couple of plays. It's back and forth kind of stuff. So, in the Chargers... I trust Phillip Rivers in this spot. I trust that he can go on the road. He's done it early in the season against Buffalo, who has a good defense, put up, I think, 28 in the first half it was, and just dominated that game. That game was over in the first half. If Cleveland gets into types of games, I don't care if they're at home, they're on the road, if they get behind in games, they have a team that's going to turn the ball over, inexperienced. I don't think they're going to be able to go up and down the field. I don't think it's going to be super high scoring, but I do think that the Chargers – are going to bring in a unit that is going to be prepared and ready for this East Coast game after coming off of an easy win at home against the Raiders. And I just see them as the better team in this in this matchup. 
Well, I look at it a little differently. I, I, I'm flirting with Cleveland as my fifth pick on, on my card. And I think, you know, going into this season, I did a write-up on potential props, and one of them was Defensive Player of the Year. And two of my guys on the list were Miles Garrett and Joey Bosa. Well, you know, after making a pretty large bet on the Chargers to win their division, I find out about 12 hours before the season starts that Bosa's going to be out for the first half of the season, it looks like. Well, we're, we're finding out just how valuable Bosa really is because this is a defense that I expected to be top five in the league. And through the first five weeks, that's just not the case even remotely. Um, 18th in defensive efficiency already. And the Browns are very quietly the second defense in the NFL. This is a team that hit a home run this year. I mean, in the draft, you can't do any better than Baker Mayfield and Denzel Ward. Disagree with that. Now, I can I can go with you a little bit on the Mayfield might struggle to stay healthy thing, but Denzel Ward's leading the NFL in pass breakups. And Baker Mayfield, you know, when you look at this Cleveland offense and you have so much doubt about what they can be, this team's 30th in offensive efficiency, so on paper, sure, it looks like that they're struggling. But Baker's only played for 10 quarters. We saw a we saw a you know electric second half against the Jets. We saw him against the Raiders in certain situations have a lot of success. A lot of turnovers. You know the team and the culture and the identity of losing started to kind of consume that game. There was a couple weird stretches, and uh, you know miscommunication on the fumble was definitely a rookie play. The pick six was a rookie play, even though it hit the guy's hands. Um, probably threw it a little bit behind him, but. You know, Mayfield last week against Baltimore, you know, a lot of a lot of guys are going to struggle against Baltimore. So, so far when you look at Mayfield, he really hasn't had a great matchup yet. Um, the Raiders This is going to be the best matchup he's had yet from a spot and a matchup perspective. And I think really, if you want to really make this a, a simple handicap, the Chargers are without Hunter Henry. He got hurt in the preseason. You know, a lot of times these injuries in the preseason, people forget about them and they and they they don't really get any credence throughout the season. But Hunter Henry is a chain mover. He's one of the five best tight ends in football. And then I already talked about Bosa being out. Now on the other end, Cleveland's got a guy named David Njoku, another quiet future superstar, and Miles Garrett. So one team's got their tight end defensive end, the other team doesn't. Now from a sp- perspective of the spot. Cleveland, I mean, this is this is probably the most, you know, belief this team's had in 20 years going into this week. You're going to have, an, you know, a home crowd that's so juiced up against the Charger team who's played four of their five games this season in L.A. They had the home games. They played against the Rams. Um, they had one East Coast trip, and it was against Buffalo and Josh Allen. Well, I'm going to tell you right now, Buffalo boy, mm-hmm. Baker Mayfield – is not Josh Allen. Talk to me in three years. If Josh, it's it's not even close. Yeah, Buffalo's it, got it, a lot of weapons on their team. Let it's me tell you. not one of them's the most accurate passer in college football history, and the other one it was a fifty-seven percent passer at Wyoming. I don't care who he's been throwing it to; they've been making excuses for the guy his whole career. He's got a rocket arm. He's, he's a great two and athlete. Three on the with no talent. There is no there is no trait that a quarterback needs to have more than being accurate, and Josh Allen is not accurate. All right, here. So so on Sunday. So on Sunday, I'm expecting you for the second straight week to learn that fading the Cleveland Browns in 2018 is not a wise decision. Okay, now let's go back last week to the Baltimore game. Cleveland knows Baltimore. Cleveland knows everything about that team. Yes, they brought in some new weapons and some other things, but from a personnel department, Cleveland knows what they're going against. Cleveland doesn't know anything about the Chargers. They do dynamic things out of the backfield. They have... Mike Williams, who I think is going to have a breakout game in this game. 
I think they're more diversified on offense. I think they're, they have a better quarterback that I can trust in this game. Cleveland offensively to me has shown that they cannot compete at a playoff level. I just don't see this Cleveland team against whatever you want, the stats of the Chargers or whatever, going in and being a factor in this game. Chargers 27-17. Now to wrap this up, the Browns, you know, last year they win zero games. The metrics said they should have been a four to five win team. And the reason for all this losing has been coaching. I mean, very simply, just coaching and game management. And a big part of coaching special teams and just decision-making and the little things, attention to detail. Well, the only team in the NFL that's in the same conversation as the Browns from an attention to detail perspective is the Chargers. This is the number 32 and number 31 special teams in efficiency. This is a rare game where Hugh Jackson might not be outclassed. So when I look at the defenses and I look at the talent on this field, you know, this is a pretty even game. Um, offense, you know, offensively, Chargers an edge. Defensively, big edge to Cleveland. And, and for, Experience. And, and for once, Cleveland's not in a complete mismatch with coaching. Um, I think this game's going to be higher scoring. you think scoring. Cleveland's going to be up for this game as much as they were the Baltimore game? I think they were sleepy against Baltimore. Last week was a bad spot no, for no, Cleveland. They, no, Cle- they, they last, ran into a quarterback that was atrocious last, last week. week. Cleveland was Awful. Com- Anybody last, else underneath center, they beat Cleveland easy. Last week, Cleveland was coming off the overtime, you know, de- demoralizing loss against the Raiders. The fact that they were able to win last week was, I mean, I wasn't on Cleveland last week because I didn't like the spot for them. I love the talent on their field. Cleveland should never be getting three points at home. Honestly, if if – you know, if you take the names off these jerseys and these are just two random teams, you take the names off, Cleveland should be a three to three and a half point favorite in this game. These well, two teams are even. You know, you if home fields were three. Well, the line the and, line and, says even. And with, it's minus one the Chargers. But home fields were three points. So they're the line says that the Chargers are two, two the points. The Chargers better. are a better team than Cleveland. We're gonna find out on Sunday. Okay. All right, uh, next up, we had a Bucks heading to Hotlanta with Jameis Winston back on the center to take on the depleted Falcons. Bucks are three and a half um, favorite here. Are we fading Atlanta again? Yeah, the Bucks are uh, three and a half oh, point dogs. Yeah, my actually. bad. They're getting three. They're getting three and a half. But to answer your question, yes, we are fading them again. Um, until the market corre- corrects, which by game time I think it might correct in this game, um, down to under a field goal. To me, this game should be a pick 'em. This is uh, a Tampa Bay team that you know started the season a little, you know, started the season you know on fire with with uh, Fitzmagic. You know, steal two games against good teams. If you told uh, Tampa Bay coming into the season, hey, you're going to be 2-2 two and two coming out of the bye, and now you're going to have Jameis back under center, they would have signed up for that every day of the week and twice on Sunday. So you got Jameis in a contract year playing for a lot of money. Now, this is a guy who's just an, a competitor. And with all the critics out there, I think we're going to see the most focused version of Jameis Winston we've ever seen since he's came out of the womb. This is a play baby that's been a little kid his entire life, never taken anything serious. And I think for the first time since he's been on this planet, we're going to see him at the best version we've seen him. Now, in the offseason, they went out and spent some money. They shore up this offensive and defensive line. It's a big reason why I'm on the over for this team on their win total. Even with Jameis not starting the season, at that low win total, you know, I see these weapons that are top five in the NFL to go with an improved trenches on both sides of the ball. And I saw a team that was dangerous that could beat anybody on any given Sunday. They steal too early. You get Jameis back. You got a lot of hope for the rest of the season. And you're going against a defense with Atlanta that might be without Grady Jarrett again. Um, as, I, as I've touched on 20 times now in the last month, 
this Falcon defense without Deion Jones, who's the, one of the fastest linebackers in the NFL, that relies on him to make up for their scheme. They funnel passes to the running backs, and without his speed, they are very susceptible, and they are very exploitable. And without both safeties, that's when you know the straw just broke the camel's back. They've given up now 121 points in the last three weeks, and I don't think it's going to stop on Sunday. Just like New England, I think Tampa Bay could flirt with 50 in this game. Now, I think we're the sneaky part of this handicap that really makes me confident enough to put some big money down on this game on top of taking them in the contest is that this Tampa defensive line, they're in a good spot. They started the year slow. Via missed some time. Bo Allen missed some time. JPP, he's a, prof- he's a pro's pro. He's got four sacks on the season already. Vinny Curry started a little slow coming over from Philadelphia. You get Curry going on the one end. You got still got McCoy in the middle. This has a chance to be, you know, a top five defensive line in the NFL. So far this season, they haven't played like it. They're bottom 10. If they get going, we saw last week Pittsburgh's defensive line really exploited that Atlanta offensive line that misses Andy Levitri. This this is Atlanta offensive line was super lucky in injury luck in 2016 and 17. And now this year without Levitri, we're seeing with a little hole in the armor that, you know, you can exploit them a little bit. So if Tampa Bay can get some pressure on Ryan, who we saw get banged up last week, maybe he's not 100%. Um, I get the more hopeful team. I get the better defense. I think I get the better offense. I get deeper weaponry, and I'm getting more than a field goal. Um, this is a complete mistake by the market. If this game was played you know, three, four weeks from now, um, I wouldn't be surprised if Tampa was a one-point favorite in this game. Yeah, I've already uh, dumped a ton down on plus four, plus three and a half in the openers, which obviously are going to be gone. I look at week one. I look at Tampa Bay at New Orleans, and it was a showtime. I see the similar thing in this game. I think Atlanta right now has moved into the worst defense in pro football. They have issues going back to last week in the locker room, their record. There's a lot of things that are going on. Um, Julio Jones wants to be paid. That That's starting to come out. Everybody knows that. Um, Tampa Bay is coming off a bye week. I agree with you. Jameis Winston's ready to play football. I don't necessarily think it's about the contract for him. He's got a passion to play. He has weapons. I think Ronald Jones is probably going to be, they're going to give him a shot, which he's got speed, not a fast track. I think he can make plays. I don't know if O.J. Howard will play. That's a little bit of a ding at the, the spot, but Cameron Braid can come in and make plays. Chris Godwin Goodwin, whatever you want to call him in this game, he is going to explode. Over 100 yards, probably two touchdowns. I agree. Yeah, I, I think he's going to have a big game. Deshaun Johnson, or excuse me, Jackson can be utilized. We all know what Mike Evans is. Jameis can get the ball in the air. He'll take off when he needs to on the ground. And I agree with you. Matt Ryan's not 100%. He's not going to sit back there, let plays develop, and take shots. Um, Julio Jones is the one thing that Tampa Bay must take away. He is killed this team in the past but that being said I think they'll probably play some Tampa 2 in this game keep what they can in front of them at times zone as well and I agree with you this game should be pick them the line is out of hand here and it's just a good spot for Tampa Bay yeah this Tampa Bay defense um I was heavy on Chicago first half in game last time they took the field and you know one thing I love to do is to find teams that are in situations where they're going to be highly motivated and focused. And after that effort, they put forward against Chicago with two weeks to prepare. Although this secondary for Tampa Bay... Well, and they also had the problem with the quarterback situation going in there, too, with Fitzpatrick and that. So Chicago was a great first half out there. Yeah, no, Chicago was in a a great spot in that game. But 
this Tampa Bay secondary, um, you know, the the best remedy for a bad secondary is a pass rush. And if I, if Tampa Bay gets that pass rush going, you know, because you know, on paper, Atlanta should score a lot of points in this game, and I think they they'll, they'll get to thirty. Um, but I just think with Tampa Bay and Winston and, and this this set of weapons that he has, and uh, you know, just a little narrative street here. Flashback two years ago, um, you know, this is kind of like the season opener for Jameis. Well, two years ago, 2016, week one, Tampa Bay goes to Atlanta, and uh, they upset him on the road. So in a way, this has kind of got a similar feel to it for me. So Jameis making his first start of the year on the road at Atlanta. Um, you know, Now for Tampa Bay's sake, let's hope that the season ends a little bit different than that year did, but I think it could be a similar start for Jameis as it was in 2016. Yeah, we're on the same side here, Tampa Bay. All right, cool. Next up, we have uh, the best team in football, the L.A. Rams, heading to the mile high to take on the Broncos, who are now 2-14-1 against the spread over the last 17 games. Is it time to buy low on the six-and-a-half dogs? You know, that's that. Um, that's, that's crazy. 2-14-1 against spread. That's hard to do in the NFL. This Denver team, nobody wants to touch this team. I, I, I think the, um, the public's going to be – going to the Rams for the second straight week, and I think they're going to be disappointed for the second straight week. This Rams defense, you would think when with Ndamukong Sue and Aaron Donald, you'd be able to stop the run, but it's just not the case. And, and what we're learning here is linebackers and setting the edge is really actually more important than defensive tackles with run defense. L.A. Rams, 28th in defensive run efficiency. Now, who's the number one team in rushing efficiency through five weeks? Not many people would guess this, but it's the Denver Broncos. Last week against the New York Jets, we get a complete no-show. Um, had Tough a spot. Yeah, terrible spot for Denver. It was on the short week, going up north, coming off the demoralizing loss against Kansas City. Now we get them back in a game where they're playing for their coach's job. High energy, high focus. We saw this team play with Kansas City at home already. You know, this Rams team, they're they're a little bit better than Kansas City, but... If for some reason the two receivers with the concussions, if they decide to play it safe, that'll only make it better for us. But even if they play, um, the key in this game really, though, is the weather. You know, this game's going to be in the 20s. They're expecting 60% chance of snow. And, uh, you know, when there's, when there's snow, um, you know, sometimes the crowd embraces it and it becomes an energy thing. And I think that there could be a kind of a – you know, just some, some feeling in the air in Denver. And it could be the type of game where Denver gets their third win of the season. Everybody thinks that this team's, you know, back to being a contender. And I don't think that's the case. But I think they I, You know, this Denver team, you know, long term, I'm not, bu- I'm not buying this team in any way, shape, or form long term. But for this Sunday in this spot, I think the dog has a chance to win outright. Oh, I agree with you. Denver's on my card for sure here, plus six and a half. Like you said, the weather's going to be a gigantic factor. They have Jared Goff, who's... MVP over Mahomes in my mind right now to start the season. They've been that dominant. He's been that good. He will be the opposite of that in this game. The weather, he has small hands. That was a huge, huge look at by the pros coming out. Quick delivery. Quick deliveries in Denver. The ball sails. He's going to have timing issues in this game. Gurley will be a factor, but this is just too many points in this spot, and I agree with you. Denver's going to run the ball. Denver should have Freeman, 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 Freeman in this game. Play action pass, 
Keep it simple. Keep the defense on the field. Let's not forget about Philip Lindsay. Off He's field. top five in rushing oh, for Lindsay's, five weeks as well. Absolutely. He'll come in and he'll spell that kind of stuff. But I'm just saying from pound them type of possession where you're saying that the running game efficiency, I don't. They, they win that game versus Kansas City if they keep Freeman in the game. No question. I just think that when you have two running backs and you can keep them both fresh the way Denver does, not, not many teams in the NFL have two running backs that can run with as much, you know, efficiency as Denver does. Absolutely. And another thing that people are not picking up on this game is the Rams' secondary is not the same. You know, they, they, they have injuries. Yeah, Marcus Peters, last three games, given up over 600 yards and Tlaib. five touchdowns. And Tlaib's on IR. Absolutely. And Denver is comfortable at home in this position. They're starting to get some production out of Sutton, the rookie. Uh, Demarius Thomas should make some plays in this game as well, and I do expect from the slot, I think that uh, this is where Sanders is going to make some big plays in this game too. I'm not saying that Denver will win the game outright, but this game is never going to get out of hand. And the Rams are not going to look like the dominant team in football because of the conditions, because of what we stated earlier with the running game. Their defense isn't as, you know, what it what it has been. And again, the one player that is going to be influenced more than anybody in this game is going to be Jared Goff. He's going to struggle in this game. Yeah. Kid that was born and raised in California. Yes. Doesn't spend much time in the snow Small or the hands. cold. You know, we've seen this many times. There's just certain players that just don't play as well in the cold. Right. And other guys embrace Troy Aikman. it. You know, Brady loves playing in the cold, yep. hates playing in the heat. Right. You know, Aikman hates playing in the rain. There's just a lot of guys. You know, I feel it myself. When I play in the cold and it's under 50 degrees, when I play golf, um, my handicap jumps up about 20 strokes. So, mm-hmm. you know, pl- playing sports in conditions uh, definitely altitude has an impact. In this game, there's a lot yeah. of and things. And then you sprinkle in the altitude. As good as Denver's been in the altitude, um, yeah, th- Denver's th- kicking is, game should be better in this game, too, because it doesn't look like uh, Zerline's going to be back for this game. Absolutely. You know, with, with golf struggling, if they struggle, and they have struggled a little bit in the red zone, um, you know, as good as that offense has been, you know, red zone has been a weakness of theirs. And, and if they're relying on a backup kicker uh, in the altitude, could leave a couple points on the table there. Mm-hmm. But um, you know, not to, not to, let's not forget this is the back-to-back road game for the uh, Rams. Yes, and, and a we, tough game they played with Seattle. They, they easily no question that, game. that was a battle. That was a physical battle. Bit of too. a statement win, you know, emotional type win. You know, you saw golf with the the first down quarterback sneak with the pump, the fist pump, and yep. the, all the emotion he showed. Right. When teams are coming off of emotion, emotional wins, it's tough to get and back up the next week. They're going into unfamiliar environments like they are here. Right, and it, and it's a game where they could be. I think I expect to see a flat Rams team in this game. And uh, don't be surprised if the Ram- if the uh, Broncos have a rushing performance pretty similar to what the Jets did against them last week. I agree. You don't think they'll be heavy girly before we get off of this? You don't think that they'll just try to stay away from I that? I mean, girly be- to me is the best non-quarterback uh, player in the NFL right now. Um, but, you know, Denver, you know, to me the best remedy for a run defense is uh, energy and effort from the crowd and, uh, you know, get the adrenaline up. So, Although I'm scared of Gurley, and, and the Rams should score some points, um, like he said, six and a half is just too much. This line should be more like four, it's four and a half. It's too much. And, and again, you, like you mentioned earlier, you have two wide receivers, and I do think they both will play in Cooper Cup and as well as uh, Brandon Cooks. I think they'll both be in. But it takes time after getting both of them got you know concussions. You don't run around out there like you're playing you know flag football. You know, you're out there with, you know, looking and your, your head's on a swivel in these types of games. It's going to throw off the timing possibly. And, again, golf's going to be in an unfamiliar, you know, situation where I just think, like you said, it's just it, it's too many points in this game. If the public would leave this game alone, I could see this game closing four. Yeah. You know, I don't think it'll get to there, but 
it's a spot, you know, it's just a good spot for Denver. I mean, the Rams are, to me, they're still definitely the best team in football, no question. Followed now, New England's moved up to number two on my list, but the Rams are the best team in the game. New Orleans, three. My, my trifecta from a handicapping perspective is the spot, the matchup, and fading the public. And in here, we got all three. I agree. All right, lastly, we have uh, the Music City, where the Ravens are two-and-a-half-point favorites against the Titans. What are you thinking here, Lip Service? Baltimore. I'm still very bullish on them. I, I thought they played a decent game last week at Cleveland outside of Flacco. Their defense easily won that game. Anybody under center, um, they win that game by close to double digits. Tennessee, throughout the course of the season, I give them credit for really buying in to uh, the new coach. I really think they're buying into the system. They're playing hard. They're not pointing fingers, except for a guy that decides to walk off because he doesn't want to play on the team anymore. But let me tell you something. Offensively, they're very challenged. They are, this Derrick Henry is um, as slow as they get, you know, anybody coming out of the backfield. Deion Lewis is a nice player. He's proven himself in New England. But I think he's going to get beat up in this game. I think Mariota's going to get beat up in this game. Corey Davis is a good player that they'll probably try and take away. Um, the line's two and a half on the card. I laid a heavy bet on uh, Baltimore at Pickham when it came out. Um, that number will be gone. Right now, there's two and a halfs available. I do see this game getting up to three on game day because there's only three late games, and of course, everybody's going to bet the uh, the favorite. But it it goes back to 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 me that Baltimore's defense will they'll bring the defense. Now, I am a little concerned about this. The third row game for Baltimore. Um, but, again, they're very well coached. They're going to be prepared. They've been through this before. And I just do not see Tennessee being able to score enough points. You know, I, I, I look at the game as like a 24-10 type of game. Baltimore will probably have the, the lead by 7-10 at halftime. They'll do what they need to do in that regard. But I just don't see the Titans being able to score in this game. I'm not so sure you're right about the public being on the favorite here. Um, Tennessee's a team that the media has been driving very hard and uh, the early public money has been on Tennessee. And last week, the public was they on Baltimore. They were on them last week against Buffalo, too. The public was on Baltimore. Yeah, the public was on Tennessee last week. You know, th- th- this is a game where the public lost on both these teams last week. And, and I think there was more money on Baltimore against Cleveland than, than the other one. But I don't know if the public comes back to Baltimore as a uh, favorite on the road again this week. You know, Baltimore is not a flashy team. The public, the, the, the public doesn't realize that Joe Flacco is not the, you know, the same scrub they saw the last two years. He's finally healthy. I think what you don't realize is that Joe Flacco's performance last week wasn't as much about him not being good or having a bad game. It was about the fact that he played against one of the best defenses in the NFL on the road, and it's he was hard terrible. to have success. He was absolutely terrible. I'm not last saying week. he played well, but when you play on the road against the second best defense in the NFL in efficiency, you know, struggling is something that just kind of happens. But when I look at this game, I think that. You know, I locked in, you know, Baltimore to pick them, thanks to you as well early on for pointing that out. But, um, you know, to me, this spot favors Tennessee. Tennessee's in a bounce-back, high-energy spot coming off of the uh, lifeless performance last week against Buffalo. And meanwhile, Baltimore, they're coming in after an overtime physical game against Cleveland on the road for the third straight week. That's not a good recipe in the NFL to make money. Now, where I think that Baltimore could potentially be the right side is, is one— 
you got to look at the AFC North and how good this division is. There's a lot of pressure on Baltimore to come out and play with some urgency in this game. Cincinnati's 4-1, and one, Pittsburgh's still Pittsburgh, and Cleveland's on the rise. So if Baltimore comes out and no-shows in this game, they could put themselves in a real tough situation for the playoffs, playing against a Tennessee team that's going to be in the picture for the AFC wildcard. So for many reasons— Absolutely will I, not be in the, the playoff uh, hunt at the end of the year, Tennessee. No chance. Well, when you look at this team in the metrics, they are a fraud. They've they been, play it. They were a fraud schedule. last year, and, and, and they continue to be a fraud. And when you just look at these teams, you know, Baltimore fourth in offense, fourteenth in offense, Tennessee twenty eighth. Baltimore fourth in defense. Also get Jimmy Smith back for the second straight game. I think he'll be a little less rusty than he was last week. And then Tennessee twelfth in defense. So you get the better offense. You get the better defense. Um, spot favors Tennessee. I think I'm going to potentially play Tennessee at the plus three number and just hope that Tucker hits a game-winning field goal to win by one and hit the juicy middle. From the from you a, see low scoring. You know I, I do, um, but I could see I could see some points being scored. I, I don't see I don't think there's an angle either way on the total. I just think that this is going to be, you know, an enjoyable game to watch. I think it could be back and forth. I think Justin Tucker, and anytime you got a game that's a coin flip and, and it's going to come down to uh, the little things, having the greatest kicker in the history of the league is, is a nice edge to have. Um, I think you also have Jim Harbaugh. He's a guy that, you know, one of the best coaches in the NFL. I like Vrabel. He's on the rise. But I think you got the coaching edge. you got the special teams edge with Tucker. Um, you got the offensive edge. you got the defensive edge. To me, though, I live and die on spots. And um, with Tennessee, I just think this is a better spot for them. But at the end of the day, the cream will probably rise. I think Baltimore squeezes out a close win. For your sake, hopefully it's three. Uh, for the middle's sake, hopefully it's by one, one or two. But, um, you know, taking NFL teams with their third straight road game is not a good recipe. I would be a little careful. No, there's no question. Uh, you know, and I've thought about that. And, again, this game is very similar to me in the the Chargers-Cleveland game. And I'm getting the better football team. I'm getting a team that is, to me, is proven, a team that is disciplined, a team that plays hard, and a team that is going to knock a quarterback around this week. I think the the difference here is Baltimore is going to turn the ball over against Mariota. I still don't think he's 100% healthy. Um. And, you know, if Tennessee was anything, they go into Buffalo, you know, last week, and they win that game by 10 or 13 points. And it could have won either way, and that's fine. And I like Buffalo and didn't play him last week. And I should have because Tennessee is just not a good football team. They're just not the type of team that you're talking about is going to be around at, at playoff time. Absolutely not. No well, we, chance. Well, one thing I know about the NFL, when you miss your spot to fade a team and you're trying to play catch-up, sometimes it doesn't end the way you want it to. Well, that's fine. I mean, I understand that. I, I, I think watching the Baltimore game last week, to me, they didn't get outplayed versus Cleveland. They just played horrible at the quarterback position. As simple as that. Cleveland didn't do anything last week to win that game versus Baltimore. They just played horrible at the quarterback position. I don't see Flacco playing the same type of game this week. I think Flacco is going to be fine in this game. I think Flacco will use his weapons. They'll score enough in this game. And they'll be the better team for 60 minutes. Well, the thing with spots is it's about motivation and energy and focus. And if Baltimore does buy into the fact that the AFC North is loaded this year and that they must come out 
and play well from the opening kickoff, there's no question Baltimore's the better team. I think Baltimore's got a chance to make noise in the AFC playoffs, and I think the Tennessee Titans are a fraud. All right, I'm on Baltimore here, no doubt. All right, cool, man. Uh, just to wrap it up, we're going to give you guys our best bets of the week each. Um, go ahead, Lip Service. What's your best bet of the Baltimore week? Baltimore minus yeah, been two and a half. Baltimore last couple weeks. You like Baltimore. Baltimore minus two and a half. And to reiterate my place for the week, I'm taking the Giants tonight. There's, I'm not going to go into it because it's going to be kicking off here shortly. I'm taking them plus three on the card. Uh, but my best bet is Baltimore. Minus one and a half. I think that, you know, they're the better, or excuse me, minus two and a half. They're the better team. So my five picks for the week are going to be the Giants plus three, the Chargers minus one, Tampa Bay plus three and a half, Baltimore minus two and a half, and Denver plus six and a half. NFL team, third straight road game, best bet of the week. Big balls, big balls. 16, seven, and two. What do you want? Okay, okay. My best bet of the week is going to be the New England Patriots. Uh, biggest bet I've made all season. I think it's in the running for play of the year. Uh, like I said, Tom Brady, Bill Belichick, at home, statement revenge game Sunday night against a 5-0 team in the Chiefs have covered the spread on the closing number all five weeks. Um, New England Patriots, statement game. Yeah, for me, uh, you know, obviously Homer called. I, I like to run with the Bears. It's a favorite here. Everybody's with it, but trying to touch some numbers and be kind of crazy. I do like, after our conversation, I do like uh, – I do like Denver in that game. They're getting a lot of points, a couple field goals, touchdown, you know. So between them uh, and, and, and the Jets over there uh, facing yeah, the Colts. Yeah, you like the Jets. I was thinking I about like them that. too. I'm going to stay off it. I do like that. For some reason, I just don't see uh, the Colts coming through strong. I think it's a lot of pressure. Yeah, on Hilton's going to sit. Both ends, it's a lot of pressure, and I think the Jets are just a little bit more uh, prepared. Mm-hmm. So to wrap things up here, best bets, lip service, Baltimore Ravens, OG Flowers, Chicago Bears. And myself, AJ Scoot, with the New England Patriots. That'll do it for NFL Week 6. Have a good one, fellas. Peace, man. Enjoy. Thank you.